April 28th, and I'm Ryan Miller, Crops Extension Educator. Earlier this morning, we recorded our second episode of the Strategic Farming Field Notes program. Strategic Farming Field Notes is a weekly program addressing current crop production topics. A live webinar is hosted at 7.30 a.m. on Wednesdays throughout the cropping season. During the live webinar, participants can join the discussion and get questions answered. An audio recording of the live program is released following the webinar via podcast platforms. Today's webinar was moderated by fellow crops educators Jared Goplin and Dave Nikolai. Also on the webinar was special guest Ed Usset, a well-known grain marketing specialist with the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. And internal guests Seth Nave and Jeff Coulter were on to address current soybean and corn cropping questions. Thanks, and remember to tune in weekly for a discussion on current crop and crop management topics. Welcome to today's Strategic Farming Field Notes program from the University of Minnesota Extension. Uh, We're happy you guys have joined us today for this new program. We're going to have a discussion, hopefully, about crop marketing and planting progress updates um, with a a number of guests here today. Uh, My name is Jared Goplin, along with my colleague, Dave Nikolai. Uh, We're both Extension educators in crops with University of Minnesota Extension. And uh, with that, Dave, I guess since you helped line up our speakers, hopefully we have uh, gotten Ed on the line. I know we were having some technical issues earlier, but if you would like to uh, introduce them, that'd be great. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jared. Um, Yes, we're working on uh, bringing in um, uh, Ed, and I believe he's uh, connecting here at, at uh, at, at this point in time. And we are going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things in terms of crop marketing and uh, other areas, uh, as well as uh, the uh, crop planting progress, et cetera. But first of all, I want to uh, uh, basically introduce uh, Ed uh, to the uh, to the audience in terms of his background. Uh, Ed serves as a grain marketing economist for the Center of Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. Uh, he's helped in the development of FinPAC software and a variety of other uh, educational programs, including uh, uh, winning the game series of, of workshops. Uh, and he's also authored a book on grain marketing is uh, simple. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Ed at this point in time. And so Ed, if you'd like to bring us up to date a little bit about what's been happening in these markets, certainly, uh, you know, this is an unusual time in, in terms of planting in the month of April, but it's even a more unusual time when it comes to uh, the way our markets have been going and acting here in the last couple of months, especially in the last two weeks. So can you shine a little light on this, Ed, in terms of where we are and, uh, and, and, and what's going on and what may be affecting things and, and what farmers might be uh, doing right now or should be doing uh, to take advantage of this? So with that, Ed, I think you're muted. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I think you're still muted. There we go. Oh, we are. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Good morning, Dave, and uh, good morning, everybody. I'm uh, out here on the West Coast, a little bit away from uh, Minnesota, but keeping track of things, still uh, still working. Dave, uh, great understatement on your part to say that things have uh, changed quite a bit in the world of markets. We are looking at uh, Pricing opportunities, old and new crop, the best we've seen. And I think we have to go back to 2013 and the end of the period that I call the second golden age of American agriculture. Incredible prices. I just had a conversation yesterday with a reporter and uh, 
this person was asking, we hadn't talked for a few weeks and hard to imagine, like, just, just let me give you, I think everyone listening understands how good prices have been, but just give you an idea. Yesterday morning, uh, the corn market had been up seven days in a row and a dollar a bushel. Uh, and this is off of high prices when it started. Uh, the soybean market was up something like uh, 10 of 11 days and up a dollar and a half. The wheat market was up 10 days in a row and uh, over a dollar a bushel. And he's asking me what's going on, what, what has happened since the last time we talked? And the honest answer is uh, nothing new. Incredible demand statistics out there. Uh, incredible demand portfolio worldwide. China's uh, buying grain like mad. And yet in the last week or two, I haven't seen anything new. Uh, the market is uh, concerned about the size of a second crop of uh, corn in Brazil. Uh, uh, we have continued great export numbers, and yet they haven't, the, the, nothing changed in the last week. These things were all true uh, one week and two weeks ago. We are concerned now as planting progresses. Uh, people are already, of course, we get in this mode. We're trying to kill a crop before it's even uh, hardly planted. Um, the bottom line is, Dave, and to everyone listening, this is opening up some incredible pricing opportunities for new crop, 2021 crop. If you haven't started, I suggest you dip your toes in slowly, uh, methodically. Look at, don't, don't look at one day is your opportunity. Look at several months as your opportunity to get something done and uh, look for a good average price. Take advantage of it because we haven't seen these numbers in uh, eight years and they're good. Any um, comments, Ed, about old crop if you still have that uh, on hand uh, or uh, maybe Wish you would have done something with that at this point? Well, uh, I don't like to play, uh, I don't like to look back and, and wish I woulda, coulda, shoulda type stuff. Uh, if you have old crop on hand, first of all, congratulations. Uh, not a lot of people do. But if you have it, uh, you certainly have to look at uh, uh, cleaning out those bins here. Uh, and, you know, I like to tell people about the 11th commandment of grain marketing. You shouldn't hold grain beyond July 1. But of course, July 1 is uh, two months away. So you've got uh, two months to get your house in order with old crop grain, and uh, you're going to make a lot of money on it. In, um, in terms of uh, marketing going forward here, any recommendation on uh, traditional futures versus options or uh, what do you look forward to this, this fall? Will things calm down? Well, eventually things will calm down. I'm not smart enough to know when they'll calm down. If you want to think about uh, futures versus options, that's a tactical issue. If you're a person who is uh, convinced that uh, 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 the drought of 2021 is at hand and prices are going to go up sharply soon. Uh, 
you want to use options. You want to buy put options, the right to sell. Don't make a hard commitment. Uh, I'm not overly keen on options, but they have a role to play. You might do that with some of your bushels. Uh, the opportunities here are just wonderful, though. And uh, be it futures, be it hedge to arrive, be it forward contracts, be it options, you want to look at getting something done with these opportunities. Now, Jared, do you have any uh, questions that come to mind uh, for Ed based on your own experiences? Well, yeah, I guess my, my thought, Ed, you just mentioned the drought in our drought conditions, uh, especially in, in North Dakota. And um, are there other weather events uh, similar to that that we should maybe be keeping an eye on um, that are going to be obvious drivers here going forward, especially, you know, I think about the, you know, the spring wheat market, especially if we talk about North Dakota. Uh, you mm -hmm. want to make any comments on things to watch with, uh, you know, basically the small grain market as well as corn and soybean? Well, weather events, I did mention that there is concern about the second crop of corn, the safrina crop in Brazil. That's a weather event in and of itself. I know that the La, La Nina that had been dominating uh, for some time had gone away here a month or two ago, and La Nina would be lightly tied to dry weather and crop problems in the U.S. Not a, not a direct correlation, but there's something there. I know that the, uh, North Dakota has been dry and uh, it's a concern. I know that people look at drought in the southwestern quadrant of the U.S. and were worried about that. And yet, oddly enough, um, uh, the last big droughts we've had, I, I listened to a guy, Elwin Taylor, Dr. Elwin Taylor out of Iowa State University. He said this years ago that droughts in the Corn Belt start in the Southeast, move back to the center of the country. Now that sort of fights, it's contrary to our sense of weather coming from the West. And yet he showed it with pretty maps of, of 1988 in 2012. Here we are with a severe drought in the Southwest. We, we often have, you know, too often have drought in the Southwest. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll be dry in the Corn Belt. Certainly, if uh, part, our participants and listeners this morning have uh, opportunity for questions, uh, we um, have a, a box on our screen and webinar, and, and we'll talk more about this on how this works with the podcast. But if you have questions, uh, let us know in the Q&A box, I guess, Jared, uh, that would be good as, as well in terms of that. Um, to yeah, to round, Dave, Dave, yeah, Seth, Nate here. So to round this out, I mean, we're talking about supply side. How about demand side? What do you, what's going on? Where, where are all these corn and beans going? What's the, what's, what's the pull here? Where, and, and, and is there any end in sight? The pull is uh, number one, two, and three, China, uh, China, uh, for a couple of years, all we could talk until, uh, I want to say until last summer, not that long ago, all we talked about in China was ASF. African swine fever was decimating their hog numbers. And of course, uh, the reason China buys soybeans is to feed their hogs. Um, in China, you've got a growing middle class a growing demand. And, and as people get wealthier, their diets change and uh, they eat more meat and the meat of choice in China is pork. So hogs are very important to them. But they're 
you get mixed signals out of China, but they built their herd quite a bit. They're feeding hogs again, uh, gangbusters. And also on top of that, they're now buying corn. Uh, the idea of them buying corn somewhere in the 25 uh, million metric tons this year, another 15 million metric tons next year. Uh, the projections being thrown around, this is China again, uh, feeding hogs, feeding their people. And uh, this was unexpected. I mean, China, uh, uh, before this year, and 25 million metric tons, I'm, I apologize, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I don't think they bought more than a couple million metric tons uh, before this year. So this came out of, uh, I must say, it, it caught the market by surprise. And we slowly came to realize this somewhere late last fall, early. And now here it is. And that demand has, it's been there. There's a tremendous amount of corn and soybeans going over to China. Uh, unexpected amounts just a year ago. And uh, that demand continues. We have um, got one question in the question box here this morning, Ed, for you. Um, this is from Adam. Is How do you gauge what kind of impact a couple of inches of rain in South America in the next week or two would have on prices? So we're kind of looking ahead here. If we get a couple inches of rain in South America in the next week or two, uh, what impact might that have on prices? Uh, big. <laughs> I don't, don't mean to be a, uh, a smart ass here, and I shouldn't use words like that in a, on a podcast, but it, it have a big impact. Uh, we are driven uh, right now. These markets are driven by strong demand and fear on the supply side, and rain is going to ease that fear. So uh, this second crop in Brazil needs rain. Uh, it's, it's been suffering from drought and a couple of inches of rain would be a big thing. It's not something the market would brush off. It would cause a reaction. Okay. We have uh, uh, assembled a panel of specialists back here in Minnesota, Ed, for you. Uh, Seth Nave and also uh, uh, Phil, uh, Jeff Coulter in our corn area and uh, Joachim Wurzmer in small grain. So I they may have a comment or two or here, maybe they want to put you on the spot. I'm not sure, but we're certainly going to let them uh, uh, chime in here a little bit about how these prices might impact management going forward and even, you know, future crop rotations. So um, any of you uh, folks back here in Minnesota have uh, any comments or questions with uh, Ed or anything that we've talked about so far? I've got another question, Dave. So, yep. You know, from a pure management standpoint, you know, the question that always comes up this time of year is, is the market looking for beans or corn or wheat? So what do you see in these price ratios? Uh, sounds like everything's going up. Uh, what are the relative numbers look like? Is there any interest in, in trying, to, trying to fill out a corn crop over the soybeans or anything like that? Where, where do you think? And then there's, you know, that has management implications for us. And, and these, some of these, if we get pushed a little bit later, are we going to push some more soybeans and, and how's that going to affect the market? Well, it's, Seth, uh, it's a good question. Very good question because these rapid changes we've had in prices, I mentioned nine days up in the corn market, uh, 10 days up in the wheat market, 
I think I said 10 in the soybeans. I exaggerated. I believe that was more like seven. But big, big prices. Had you asked me this just two weeks ago, Seth, uh, the wheat price was a dollar lower. And I would be talking to you about people making the shift from wheat to corn and soybeans. And in fact, uh, some of you may have seen this, the uh, chief executive officer at ADM uh, just yesterday put out a little, put out a statement or, or was maybe making a talk in front of analysts or something saying that ADM expects that there will be 5 million more corn and soybean acres. You didn't mention wheat, corn and soybean acres this year than the most recent USDA planning intentions report suggested. So he's thinking, and I guess I was thinking, I'm thinking this too, that corn and soybeans will benefit uh, at the expense of wheat. And yet here the wheat market is up $1.30 in, in uh, 10 days. So it's a remarkable turnaround in the world of wheat. And it's all happening right in the middle of planning time. So the people listening here, you know better than me. How quickly can someone switch? How quickly can you go from plan A to plan B? It's planning time right now. Um, but I suspect, uh, I'll go with the ADM uh, uh, CEO and my own biases, we'll find more corn and soybean acres uh, at the expense of, uh, and, and not so many wheat acres going ahead. Thank you. And I, I think we were a little short on corn and soybean acres anyway in that initial initial report, according to a lot of folks. And so I think we're probably just going to build into a little bit of that. And I, I agree with you. There's not a lot farmers can do, but there are a few farmers that have a few you know, fields around the edges and things like that. And that's where this market goes is the market's looking for a few more acres and it's going to catch some people that maybe didn't get their weed in on time and maybe can move into corn. And, um, but, you know, from a practical, as you mentioned, from a practical side, it's, it's, there's a lot of issues with this is that farmers can't just switch immediately. And then we've got a lot of downstream questions about seed supply and, Yes. fertilizers and um, things like that, that, that really complicate things. So it's yeah. hard to imagine there'll be a big shift, but I'm just wondering if the markets, if there's giving you any indication that the market's looking for one direction or another, but it sounds like it's, it's basically corrected itself for the most part and the market feels pretty good about it. Yeah. Uh, markets, uh, it's not about big shifts. Uh, markets are made at the margin. And if 5% of the people make a move from wheat to soybeans or something like that, my mind is even thinking about parts of the uh, Eastern Corn Belt, Southeastern Corn Belt, where people have the possibility of double cropping, putting a soybean crop in where uh, a winter wheat crop was. You can imagine these things. Hey, Dave, while um, Ed's hung up a little bit, maybe you want right. to talk about this next question uh, regarding uh, effect on the, on the um, uh, livestock sector, see if we can get Ed back on. Okay. Well, Ed, if you, I think you're froze up right oh. now. If you maybe want to turn your video off, if that maybe help, I don't know, on your bandwidth a little bit. 
Am I frozen? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. You're, you're fine in there in terms of that. But I did have a, um, there was a, a, a quick question in here and that came in uh, from Alan and is, can you comment on the effect of these grain prices uh, through the beef, dairy, hog and poultry sectors? Okay. So um, that's the additional, additional question. Uh, with that, you you froze up well, just a little. Maybe I, uh, turn off your video for just a little bit, and uh, and then maybe answer that question if you can. Okay, okay. Uh, I am uh, just yesterday. I was looking at cattle prices and hog prices, and was a little bit surprised. I'm sorry, I haven't looked at dairy in the last two weeks, so I'm afraid to comment. Things have changed a lot in two weeks. Uh, obviously, feeding uh, higher feed prices uh, make for a challenge uh, in, in the world of raising cattle, raising, raising livestock, producing milk. Very interesting, though. You know, cattle prices, they haven't been that good. The, all this change going on in uh, grain prices cattle prices, live cattle prices, I want to say they were somewhere around, uh, you know, buck 15 or buck 20. Hell, they were there a year ago. And uh, so I got to believe that the world of cattle production is feeling the pinch right now. Hogs have had a much better move. Uh, I told the story of China and uh, their hog population is uh, coming back, but their demand for meat is great and hog exports are doing very well. Hog, hogs, hog prices are up over a dollar a pound and up a lot over the last few months. So um, I think hog producers are gonna be doing just fine here. Cattle production, looks like there, there's gotta be a pinch going on there. Okay, great. Um, other questions from any of our state specialists that are that are on, uh, Jared as well here. I'm looking at our clock. We're getting towards the top of the hour here, but um, other things to kind of bring this uh, and wrap this portion of the program up. Yeah, I guess it kind of leads into some of the things we talked about before we started the call and, and whether or not this uptick in commodity prices. You know, obviously we haven't seen these prices in quite some time. Uh, so it really gets people thinking about ways to maybe bump their yields up a little bit, uh, maybe gives them that thought or that opportunity to, you know, spend a little bit more money on inputs. Uh, I guess for Seth and Jeff, you know, are there any inputs out there, um, you know, that might be worth considering in some instances, or, you know, are people doing a pretty good job already? So in other words, is there a way that we should be re reacting on the agronomic side to try to bump yields or, you know, planting early, uh, waiting, um, any comments on that? We, we've seen this phenomenon of planting a lot of soybeans, uh, really early already. So um, I know that Jeff commented there, Seth, do you have any comments about that or planting population or planting rate? Um, uh, what can they do to maximize their yield yet if they haven't already? Well, from a corn standpoint, we're pretty much managing for near maximum yields anyways. So regardless of the uptick in commodity prices, um, I think we're doing about the best we can for achieving maximum yields. And most of it is going to be up to the weather and timeliness and attention to detail. So uh, I think that's the key thing right now. Yeah, Jeff's abs absolutely right. And I think maybe to put a finer point on it, I think 
perception and reality are two different things here. We have farmers that really have this idea that they're really thin on their inputs and they're and they're really being tight on inputs, um, conserving dollars, and they think that they maybe could just put a little more ant on or put another hit another uh, uh, pesticide on their crop and get some more yield. But really, the economics have been driven by yield from the beginning on this thing. And so we're not, even though we're pushing the price up, yield still pays uh, for, you know, that drives the economics on our on our management side of this thing. So they're really, as Jeff mentioned, there isn't a lot that, that farmers can do. But I really appreciate Jeff's last point is that maybe this is the year to just pay more attention to that crop. Um, and I think that's an easy thing for farmers to do, um, to, you know, from a psychological standpoint, you've got more money out there, pay more attention, do more scouting. Um, maybe you can be just a little bit more on top of some of these applications for soybean aphid or something like that in a year like this than you would otherwise. But otherwise, I think we're just, again, we're just kind of, just kind of touching this thing around the edges. Yeah. And we'll be talking more about this in the future, but, uh, Jared, you and I were talking earlier about. Uh, weed control and being timely with pre-emergent herbicides. And certainly, um, we, although we may not be increasing, but what, what are some things that we can do to preserve the yield that we already have out there? Right. And I, I guess I, my thought goes to what we've experienced in previous years. You know, much of Minnesota has been dealing with excess moisture in the spring planting season, you know, for the past three, four or five years in some areas. Um, so just seeing some of the best planting conditions that, that we have in quite some time, you know, in terms of maximizing yield, that's, you know, the best way we can start is really taking advantage of those optimal conditions. Um, you know, so that's where kind of my mind goes is, you know, we're really setting ourselves up here right now for success. Uh, but then also just taking advantage, um, you know, we are in a dry spring. That's kind of, um, you know, one of the concerns, especially when we talk about pre-emerge herbicides and getting those things activated, um, you know, being a little bit more on the timely side, getting those down, make, sh make sure we get those down before we have any rainfall. So really watching that forecast, um, you know, because when commodity prices go up, certainly, you know, protecting that yield with, with, our, with our inputs and uh, pest management strategies will, will be a little bit more important, uh, a little bit more uh, dollars associated with those. So I guess it's just kind of, you know, take advantage of the weather that we've been given so far and, and make sure we get those products down. You know, Ed, uh, not to put you on the spot, but, you know, this winter, uh, you were on a lot of webinars. We talked briefly about a marketing plan. And you, you, you know, you had various characters about people that would sell off the combine only versus in the spring, in the summer. Well, going into this, I mean, um, you know, in how much should I put it, 60 seconds or less, what kind of percentage emphasis would you put on this, on forwarded marketing with, okay, I think I'll hold back and see where things are in the fall. Uh, are you uh, optimistic? Or are you still really recommending that people uh, split that, you know, in terms of, uh, of their marketing plan for the, the balance of this year? Well, I think, first of all, I, I, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, people should have crop insurance and that's what covers you against the drought and drought can happen. They have happened. They will happen again. Uh, but of course, the Corn Belt is what it is because it tends to produce a good crop. In terms of marketing, uh, right now, this is what I call the 2-2 season. It's too hot, it's cold, it's too wet, it's too dry, we're too early, we're too late. The market gets uptight about the crop coming ahead. We've got a nice spring rally going. This is not an uncommon event. This is an uncommon magnitude, 
but it's not an uncommon event to have a rally in the spring. Look to get something done upwards of, uh, uh, you know, I would be looking to get half my crop priced between now and the middle of June. And don't look to do it on one great day. Don't, don't wait for a, uh, a little birdie. It's not gonna flutter down, land on your shoulder and whisper in your ear, today's the day. It doesn't work that way. You're gonna look for average price, get it done over a period of time and, uh, and then hope for the best. I guess it, the, the funny thing about pricing grain is when you're pricing early, you got to hope that your early prices are your worst prices because then you'll do even better. Ed, I'm afraid you might have your work cut out for you in the next few years trying to undo all the, the regrets people have with the current market situation, similar to what happened back in the 2012 and 13, I'm afraid. Uh, we do have a, uh, Susan did raise her hand here. So if Susan, if, you, if you'd like to unmute yourself and ask a question, I, I have allowed you to do so. Um, hopefully it wasn't an accident, but uh, if you'd like to ask your question, feel free to unmute yourself and do so. And while we wait for that, I don't know, Dave or Seth, any, any other comments as we kind of start to, to near the end of the program here today? I guess not at this point in, in time. Um, we have a number of other people on the call as as well, but uh, otherwise than that, uh, any other questions that Seth, do you have at this point in time? For uh, I'd, I'd just like to encourage I'd like to encourage anybody else to to um, ask ask questions. I mean, I think there's a lot of good there's a lot of good questions out there, and I don't I don't own any corn or soybeans, so I'm not the one to ask questions. Okay. All right. Well, Ed, anything. Um, you know, sometimes people price even into 20, you know, 22 and, and so forth on this. Should should you be taking advantage of even next year if you can at this point? Dave, just yesterday, um, I, I get this question a lot. How often, how far should you reach out and you see a little bulge? And, and I, uh, up until I took a peek and up until uh I took a peek at the markets yesterday and we've had this huge run up in the last week and a half. Um, I would have said, forget, you know, don't, don't worry about that right now. 2022 is worth a look. And uh, I think what I would, what I would tell people is if uh, let go of a few bushels, let go of five, make it small, five or 10%. The benefit of doing that now is uh, I'll have your attention and you'll be watching that market very closely from now and for another eight months until that harvest ends. So uh, those opportunities are good out to 2022 today. They were not that great just 10 days ago, but today they have my interest, but don't get carried away. But pay attention. Well, yeah. Jer Jared, I guess we're at the top of the hour here. At uh, so, do you want to take it from here and and uh, uh, bring it home and talk about next week a little bit? Yeah. So I guess we'll start wrapping up the program here for today. Um, we do we do thank you all for attending. Again, when you log off, fill out that survey. Um, again, if you can't attend future programs, feel free to tune in the podcast. Uh, just go to your favorite podcasting service called Strategic Farming Field Notes, and it should pop up there. 
Uh, and we will be back again next week uh, with Dave. I think you lined up Bruce Potter. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Bruce Potter, our, our IPM specialist out of South, Southwest Minnesota at Lamberton, uh, will be our feature guest. And hopefully along with a couple other independent crop consultants, and uh, we'll have an opportunity to talk about what you should be doing in the field to help preserve that crop for this pricing right now. And in terms of that, so uh, I know that Bruce will bring a number of uh, things to the, there in terms of black cutworm, uh, soybean, gall, uh, soybean gall midge, you know, et cetera. So uh, we'll have other things we can talk about uh, as well, but uh, keep in mind, you know, we, we planted early. Some of these soils have been cold. So there are some things definitely you need to do to watch and monitor and scout these fields. Uh, so we're gonna bring Bruce in uh, to help us address some of those issues. And if you do have any questions, uh, either our podcast listeners or our live listeners, and you have topics you'd like addressed in future weeks, we do have a submission form on our website, z.umn.edu slash strategic farming. Feel free to submit any questions or comments there. And uh, with that, I guess, hopefully you guys can tune in again next week and have a great rest of your day. And if there, folks have questions after this, uh, uh, Ed, even though you may be currently uh, out of state for a little R&R, you still have your email. So I think you can respond if, if, if folks right. have a question here uh, in Minnesota to, to get a hold of you on a particular subject matter. So we do appreciate uh, you attending here and I really appreciate the fact you're two hours difference and you got up and spent some time with us. So thank you very much. Enjoyed it. 